0: things have changed so quickly so 2017 was when i put out the bid for my tedx on quitting i put a thing on facebook asking people to share their quitting stories and at that time i remember people like whoa that is a brave topic or like oh you sure you want to talk about that or like wow i don't know it was really quite provocative or like not, not really sort of the word but like yeah it was pro- yeah it provoked people and it was a bit like oh we're not sure <laughs> Hello everyone. So we have arrived at episode one. I am recording this intro from my new flat which is overlooking the wetlands in North London and it's been really lovely listening to this episode. I'm on the 12th floor and I've just been able to see the rain coming in and the the changing sky as the sun's setting. And yeah, just reflecting on how much has changed since I recorded this with Kate back in August. And those of you who know me personally might hear a couple of things I mention as things that were very alive for me back then and currently are not. And, you know, there are things that I have mentioned on this podcast that I have since quit. And I'm really excited on further episodes to talk about that. This, this episode is like, a kind of, a, I don't know, like an overview and a bit of a menu, I suppose, of all of the parts of me to do with quitting. There's stuff around the frameworks, there's stuff around my personal story, there's a bit about the podcast. So feel free, I've put the timings in next to each bit of the podcast, each section in the notes. So feel free to listen to the whole thing over a cuppa or just to dive into the bits you want. And also, I'd love you to share with me any topics that I touch on that you want me to go more into. Because there are going to be mini uh, like mini-episodes that I do. And I thought about doing the concept of quit fire, like quick fire, but asking me quick fire questions about quitting. So if there's any questions that come up after listening to this episode, feel free to message me on Instagram at knowing when to quit and i will include them as soon as possible yeah thanks so much for tuning in and i hope you enjoy it holding
1: up letting go holding up the leaves letting go is knowing exactly exactly when to fall the leaves letting go is knowing
2: So I am here interviewing, I'm, my name is Kate Taylor and I have the biggest of honours of speaking to you today, Sarah, because we've known each how long have we known each other now? I mean, like two two and a bit years, I think. Yeah, God, it feels so much longer than that. It feels so much longer than that. And I have the biggest of honours of working with you and helping you to navigate the work that you do and various forms and shapes that your work has taken. And what I love most about you is you are one of these people that in really embraces the idea of the multi-potentialite, the multi-creative into your heart. And it's been a real honor for me as a coach to help you get really clear about what that looks like on a, on a bigger mission, on a bigger idea of things. And actually I'm so I've always been so blown away about how you are able to take what can sometimes be quite complex ideas and ways in which in order for us to be able to create the space as a multi-potentialite, as a multi-creative, of which I call myself, in order to be able to create space for what it is that we're bringing into being, that in order to do that, we have to Quit some things, we have to make space for some things. And what, as I say, what I love about you is being able to make the complicated less complicated and the ability to take sometimes what stumps people and create a framework to organize thoughts and behaviors that creates positive action or at least some path through confusion and overwhelm, to get to a clarity of thought, a clarity of the way forward. And it's not something many people can do. I'm always just so incredibly aware of your ability to do that. I know we're going to be talking about quitting today, Mm. But can you tell me a little bit more about your work and how you how you come to frameworks and helping people organize their thoughts as multi potentialized as multi-creatives to help clear that path?
0: Yeah, thank you, Kate. Um I, I wonder if for me it comes from a bit of my own overwhelm and my busy mind and you know, I have a yeah, I have a very busy brain that kind of has a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts. And in some ways, the frameworks have been for me as a survival, as like how do I simplify this? Um, so I think on the one hand, I've always created stuff that I've needed in certain moments of my my life. And then I suppose the second thing is that I am a teacher. I mean, I started my career in the Teach First scheme. Um, I am really interested in learning and how we learn and i love helping people understand things so i have a natural inclination when i've been through something to share it with others and so those two combined this desire to organize my own thoughts and also share that and teach has meant that i've created frameworks that are then shareable so you know the ones that we've probably worked on together are the quitting quadrant the carousel model and then also the three tier pricing model. But I do yeah, I I generally enjoy (laughs) as a friend said to me the other day, she's like, you love a framework. I was like, I really do. (laughs) I really do love a framework. But uh, yeah, I think for me, there's my i have these two sides to me which is like highly creative quite chaotic i suppose like an enjoyment of like spreading things out you know if i'm cooking i spread things everywhere but then also a desire for order and a desire for simplification so it's like those two together um both yeah it's like the alchemy creates these frameworks
2: oh yeah absolutely and alchemy is definitely the word i know from my own um teachings in koya which is movement practice Mm and teaching teachers we always talk about the fact that in order to allow space to really gain space for creativity means that if you've got a framework if you've got a structure that creates room for freedom doesn't it and have you really recognized that within yourself and within the work that you do
0: yeah I think freedom but also just this simplicity and and permission so you know and we'll probably go into this more but with the quitting quadrant there are eight possible stages that you can be in in any moment and that when you're feeling overwhelmed can just be huge relief to be like okay it's one of these (laughs) or it's one of these four quadrants and you know I think there's something around that that then creates freedom or creates a like a relief or a a, yeah a spaciousness
2: it's like Mm. um it's like a breath isn't it you can kind of go oh when your mind or anything is going off at a million miles an hour or tangents, it's like, Oh, it's okay. And I'm here. And it's finding yourself a place to be, Mm. isn't it? And a space to be, and then making a decision from that point forwards about where you go next. I love that. So before we get into quitting and the quitting Mm. quadrant, you talked about, um, talked a little bit about being a teacher. Can you give us a bit of a background in terms of, what you do now and and what's the journey been to getting to where you are now
0: yeah so as you said in the intro i am a a multi-passionate multi-hyphenate whatever you want to call it so you know at any point in my life you know in any day of the week (laughs) i probably would say different things that i'm up to but at the point of recording this which is august 2021 um at the front of my carousel which is how i describe it i have um composing so i'm doing a lot of music i've just did a show at the camden fringe where i composed the music and i'm also yeah hoping to do an ma um, in composition so we'll see when this comes out if that's happened <laughs> um and yeah I'm about to run lots of workshops at festivals so i do a lot of music i do a lot of workshops with music a lot around creativity so you know over time that originally in my career i started out as a teacher there was a lot around enabling stuff in others and then over time I was like I also want to I want to create and I want to make so there has been the shift between like what I enable but also what I do for myself so everything I do really is around, yeah, around creativity, around human potential, whether that's through coaching or moon ceremonies or, yeah, like leadership workshops or or making days of, yeah, making medleys of 90s songs, there's, and, and or DJing, there's, there's a lot around like space holding, creating high energy experiences. And ultimately like the sweet spot for me is where I, I'm energized just as much as the people that I'm working with or delivering to and I think that's been something over time that I have really been fine-tuning because definitely at the start of my career I was giving a lot more than I was getting and I'm really grateful for the time I spent in teaching because it taught me a lot but I also got to a stage where I knew it wasn't quite the right energy exchange for me. And I think that's also, you know, again, we're going to talk about this a bit more, but that's something to think about is that like something that can at the start give a really great energy exchange can change over time. And, you know, when I first started teaching, I loved it. I mean, it was really hard, but I loved it. And then over time, it just, I just fell out of love with it. And that's the point that I had to start making those decisions about where I was going to put my
2: energy in, in, yeah, in this lifetime. Yeah. And when you look at all of those breadcrumbs and the journeys that you've been on, even the next 10, 20 years is going to be a whole series of new pathways, of Mm. new ideas, of roads that you haven't travelled yet. And it's going to be a whole lot of quitting, right? Because as I said at the top, in order to get to some of those places, we have to learn about what it is that we are no longer available for or doesn't feel right in the space as you said we're teaching you loved it but it served its purpose at the time and then it was on to something else
1: Letting go
2: Let, let's start talking about quitting because that is what this podcast is about I wonder just before we go into the depths of it into the depths of quitting why is this podcast here what, what is it that you are sharing with the world about quitting
0: so i'm exploring really like the decision making process of deciding whether to quit so it's called knowing when to quit because rather than just being like let's have stories of people quitting i'm really interested in what goes on in that moment when you think i don't want to do this anymore and you have to really battle with that internal Yeah, the demons that are partly saying there's so much more and there's also demons saying, come on, like, you really care about this. And there's all these different voices and that can be so hard to navigate. So during this podcast, uh, during the interviews, I've been inviting people who either have gone through that process or who are currently in it so some people i'm kind of coaching them live through a decision to say quit their business after after the pandemic for other people they're reflecting on times when they were deciding whether to quit and what's really important is that not everyone did decide to quit and i want to make it that i want to offer with this podcast a neutrality to quitting that it isn't about quitting being better or worse than staying it's it's just like what is right for everyone in each situation and if we have the freedom to explore that without any judgment then we will make the right decision and sometimes we do need to stay and it's right to stay but you know there's often interestingly over the past few years that originally the rhetoric was like don't quit (laughs) And now I feel like it's flipped. And more recently, there's a real like, come on, let's all quit. And you know, there's this, the the great resignation, people are calling it post COVID. So I'm kind of standing in the middle of that going, hmm, well, if both are okay, what's right for you? And so, yeah, that's my, I really wanted to share. So when I did, I did this TEDx in 2018, all around um, called knowing when to quit. And that's when I started interviewing people. And I was so overwhelmed with the stories that people shared about their own quitting journeys. And I realized like for lots of people, they'd never shared these stories. And while the people I'm interviewing on the podcast, some of, some of whom are like, you know, they have a real state. Some are kind of, you know, friends of friends. Some of people are um, have quite a big profile, but a lot of them have come off the podcast and said, "Gosh, I've never shared that story before," because they'll usually be brought on to share what went well and not what they struggled with. And they'll say, "You know, I'm actually really interested to share this with my community because I don't think they knew what was going on, or you know, all of those kind of things." So, I want it to be. A, I want this podcast to be an opportunity for the people I'm interviewing to have a catharsis, have a cathartic experience. But I also want people listening to find role models in those stories and to find solace in those stories. And you know, my dream would be that over time, you would mess, you know, if a friend who was a lawyer wanted to quit, you'd be like, Oh, I'll send you the knowing when to quit law podcast, (laughs) you know, and I'll send you that episode. And that there'll be a bank of of stories um, that people can can dive into when they have specific challenges as well
2: this is so good a library of quitting stories so that yeah and I think what's what I'm picking up on a couple of things that you've talked about there is what's so important is that neutrality is standing Mm. in the middle and just going I'm just observing it's just really interesting to me because you know the world has changed so much, and I think about my parents' generation, who were the baby boomers, for example. And it, it wasn't leaving a job; just wasn't something that you did. It just it was job for life, and that was yeah. there. And there's almost a shame around what do you mean you're giving up? What do you mean you're giving in? What do you mean you're quitting? Mm. And there's so much emotion tied into the idea of quitting something that. Actually, when you take the emotion out of it, when you take the shame out of it, when you take any embarrassment, when you take anything out of it, any guilt or whatever it is around that particular word, you can be in a space of observation that is bigger than just where you are in that moment. It is part of your whole life, Mm. isn't it? So what is it that you, um, you say about being in a place of neutrality? What is it that you really hope that people can take away from listening to this podcast that maybe they don't yet know about?
0: Well, I think one thing is that we often focus on the thing that we are quitting and not what is coming instead. So, and and like I say, within that neutrality, it might be that you want to quit your job, but actually what the space and uncertainty isn't something you've you're really prepared to do. And vice versa, you're scared to quit your job, but there's an opportunity to do something you've always wanted to do or to move to a different place or to have a different experience. So I think we focus a lot on like, what am I giving up rather than what am I embracing? And the way I talk about it is that in any decision, we are quitting something. So whether we stay or go, we are quitting something because we are quitting, we're deciding not to do the other thing. (laughs) Like there's, it's always like, rather than putting the weight on the thing we might wanna leave behind, we really should hold up both scenarios, which is like, what if I stay, what if I go? And like, which of those do I want to commit to? So I, I, I like the invitation to change the word quit to commit and thinking about where you actually want to recommit. And that actually uh, in our lifetime, we're gonna, uh, with you know, our relationship is constantly changing with our, with our projects, with our workplaces, with our careers, with our, you know, people like with our actual relationships, personal relationships. And that really we're constantly quitting and recommitting. And I call this like having a mini quit, (laughs) but really at any point that you're thinking, I'm not sure, and I'm sure you've done this with your business, Kate, like there's been moments when you've been like, wait, stop. Okay, what do I now want this to be? And what is this next iteration? So I suppose what I'm offering is that at any point we are deciding to quit a version of something. And so that if we redo it, if we do decide to stay, it will never be the same thing anyway. So really, we're always quitting, but it's just deciding where to go next.
2: Yeah. And I really, you know, I I see those as I often talk about them as being almost like the sliding doors moments, Mm. those pivotal points in our life. And, And they could be happening in a big way or they can be happening as micro quits all the way through but they're those points in time when we make a decision like you say to either stay and commit in one way or commit to another path commit to another way of doing things and the only way you can do that is through quitting something isn't it
0: yes you're quitting something always Even if you stay in the same, it looks like the same thing, but what you might change is your attitude or, you know, and, and I suppose another thing that I'd love to offer people is this idea that often we don't need to change that much. So we can have this perception That we have to quit on a colossal scale that we need to move to another side of the country that we need to completely reskill and change our career that we need to get divorced all of these things and it can but really that's just signaling that you want change (laughs) but the change doesn't have to be that colossal so i suppose it's also noticing what is like what is the unmet need here that is coming up through the desire to quit and are there other ways that i can meet that that won't be so such a turnover of my life and that's not to say that we sometimes we do need the turnover and sometimes we do need the shake up but i find it really fascinating how often the desire to quit leave a relationship leave a house all of these things might actually not be about that at all and that that's also what i'm interested in people exploring on the podcast like what is actually the need here that is showing up as a desire
2: to quit yeah oh my goodness, I, I have these conversations so many times with clients, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I want a new job, I hate where I am, and it's like, and it can, what's really underneath all of that, because like you say, you, it can be dramatic, or it can be a tuning in, it can be, mm. like, I just want to completely change everything, and then when you get to the other side, you realise it wasn't the thing that you wanted in the first place. so it could be, hang on, let's get underneath what it is that makes you feel uncomfortable or where you feel static or where you feel frustrated Mm. and also let's look for the moments of joy right because what we can tend to do with quitting is throw everything away and actually what you're talking about here is having a better symbiosis with it so that you get to understand the nuance of what's going on for the individual for the person, and through the storytelling, that's where somebody else may be able to say, "Oh yeah, I see myself, or I feel myself in this story." Mm. Therefore, you know, how can that help navigate what I do next in my life? Which is amazing. What an amazing podcast! I can't wait for oh. this to come out so that you yeah, know, we're all going to learn so much from it.
0: I hope so. I hope so. And I think yeah, like for example, when I left teaching, I just ruled out anything to do with teaching because i was like i don't like teaching in a school therefore i must not be a good teacher i must you know i was just like and all of that's gone and then over time i was like oh no i love teaching i'm a really good teacher i just don't want to work in a school that's really hard (laughs) with really like no structure and then i've also when i've worked with teachers who are thinking about quitting i'm always like what is the bit you love you just need to find a new context for it and so it's that again it's that like which bit are you taking with you you i I don't know. it's a very complex thing but I think we can be very black and white of like are you quitting or not but then you kind of take the whole thing out and you lose yeah and I suppose that's I mean we can go into this a bit more I don't know if this is the right time but about thinking about like um about proper endings and really grieving what you've had and celebrating and I think one of the reasons we struggled to quit is because we are worried of that we're worried that when we leave it means everything is gone yeah and I had a client who was she moved to Finland, where she was like originally from, and she'd been in London for quite a while working at a radio station and was like, yeah, it was really cool actually. She had a really cool job and then she went to Finland and she was on like a sabbatical for a year. And when we spoke, she said, oh, I kind of don't wanna go back to the station, but I feel like if I don't go back, it's negating the five years I had there. And I realize, like, how often that happens—that we are worried that by quitting, it's almost like saying—and the same with relationships, right? Are we saying, "Well, and I never loved that person," and it's not. And I, I think part of coming to an end really gracefully is is taking that time to be like, "What did I get from that? Who were the colleagues I worked with? You know, what can I celebrate? What were the skills?" It doesn't mean they're gone if five years later you decide to move on, but it can feel like that because we don't have the rituals for it. We don't have the language for it.
2: Yeah. And I think as human beings, we see things in the moment that they're in because we're in pain over something like something mm. doesn't fit anymore. Something feels uncomfortable. Therefore we've got to completely change it to get away from that discomfort. Yes. So true. whereas, so much of it and you know reflecting on your own story of teaching it didn't work mm. for the environment that you were in it's like I can't bear this anymore mm. I hear this so often with people and teachers a lot funny enough um, <laughs> that it, it's so uncomfortable that it's like I've just got to get out of here mm. and yet the, the the opportunity of you can't just you don't just go into life and choose to be a teacher. It's because you have that very natural ability to want to support people to grow, to develop. Mm. And that's something that can never, ever be taken away. It's, it's just that it gets to be in different scenarios that you Absolutely. may or may not have imagined just yet. And with your client, as you as you were talking what really reflected to me is, you know, how beautiful it gets to be to change that relationship to the, the environment wasn't working for you. However, mm. all of the things celebrating, all of the mm. things that get to be part of a natural ending of one cycle, do you get to cherish and take into the next cycle, even the next cycle or the next cycle? It doesn't have to be immediately, but I think celebrating Those endings are such an important thing to do and doing that with grace and doing that with full heart can only help you as you go into whatever is the next stage, the next chapter of the journey, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, and I think that's yeah, so well articulated. There's this thing of like it gets it gets kind of dropped in to a cauldron, if you like, and you may may maybe that's the wrong image, but something like it, or a backpack of of tools that you've got, and you might not use it straight away. And I think that's the thing, like, but it's just it will never leave you. And I think people think that it leaves you, like it gets taken away in quitting. Um, And equally, we can we can be in quitting, say about the things we want to leave behind and say, actually, I will never work in that environment again. Like, I'm really clear on that now. So there are there, I think, at that point, at that threshold is deciding what am I taking with me from this? And what am I leaving behind? I feel like that's something now that I do, that I really enjoy doing in the process of quitting, because I quit a lot, you know, I'm I'm naturally curious, I naturally want to learn and experience life in all of its facets, and I'm gonna, that's going, I realised this was just such a kind of relief when I realised, ah, quitting is what's going to enable me to live my life, it's not, it's going to hold me back if I don't know how to quit, and if I don't do it well.
1: Always
2: know exactly. Sarah, what have been your own experiences to quitting? I mean, I I was reflecting
0: on this of like my early experiences of quitting, and I think I I think the first time I quit something was when I was about thirteen. So I yeah, as a child, I used to do lots of dancing. So I did ballet for a long time and I was, yeah, went between the ages of eight and 10. I was in the Royal Ballet School, which was like the, the junior associates, basically. They took people in to do like monthly ballet classes to kind of train you up to be in then what's, you know, White Lodge, which is the kind of the ballet school in Richmond. So I kind of was always on this weird trajectory to that. And when I was about 12, 11 or 12, I um, auditioned for kind of the older school and didn't get in because I have hyperextension in my knees. And they basically said, you know, we love your dancing, but it would be dangerous for you to do point work because of the way of your, the structure of your legs. I remember feeling in some ways, a bit of a relief, if I'm honest, mm. which is an interesting, is yeah. an interesting emotion to like, not getting into a really amazing ballet school but there was a part of me that was like could see this trajectory and was like oh that's quite specific it's all (laughs) or nothing isn't it yeah yeah and I remember that I um I also had this thing where I could see people in, when I was a young, I used to go, you know, go and get in the changing room for ballet and see these girls and kind of their teens. And I would see that they would always quit when they were a teenager because ballet wasn't cool. <laughs> and I was always like, I am not going to quit when I'm a teenager. I'm going to do ballet. Like, I'm not going to be one of those people that like falls into that. But, you know, on the kind of edge of my teens, I had this audition, got this, you know, got this news, I suppose. And it wasn't necessarily bad. It was just like, okay. And I remember sitting down with my ballet teacher and just exploring it. And I, you know, I actually felt when I was reflecting on this the other day, I was really moved by how amazing that conversation was. You know, I know a lot of people that did sports, gymnastics, or even dance where it was very like, you know, cracking the whip and quite aggressive. My dance teacher was so, she was just this like lovely, peaceful, really just like earthly woman, you know, just like absolutely gorgeous um energy and she just sat down and was like you know what like you'll always have dancing it makes total sense to to leave because i felt really bad i was like oh i'm quitting you know but she was like you know it makes sense and you know it's not the end and it's not the end of your dancing You, you know you could go on and do dance at any point in your life and you you love musicals so she really helped me with that transition and i don't have any regrets of that decision, I don't feel any shame about it, I don't feel any sadness actually. And I think that's a really powerful experience to have as a kind of preteen. that the first thing you move away from was, you know, I, I feel was really gracefully handled. And not only that, but she focused a lot on what I was then going to do. So I guess the things that we've talked about, right? It's like, she focused on what I was still taking with me as in like, you're always a dancer, (laughs) you've got this experience. And also you've got this other stuff you've loved exploring. So, you know, she'd come to see me in my school show in year eight and was like, you were great in that, like explore that, that's fab. And, you know, there was a real sense of, there wasn't any loss and there was real celebration. And I think, I maybe maybe this has been like more significant than I, than I realized because it's, it's a very, yeah, it was just like a very generous, I suppose, or very supportive transition out of
2: something into something else. That is such a beautiful story because it could have been so different, couldn't it? You know, it could have been when we, sometimes when children, we hear about, where I guess those um, seeds are planted about how quitting can be shameful or it can be a wrong is because there's an expectation there's a weight upon your shoulders there's a pressure from elsewhere that this is what you're supposed to do and if you had not had somebody who was incredibly supportive to celebrate you and to say oh my goodness like you yeah it may not be this but god look at what you've learned and look at what you've done and look what what oh my goodness that's such a gorgeous story and I think you're right it probably has set set a seed for so much of what you're doing now hasn't it yeah and yeah so that that's kind of like your first earliest mm. memory what, what yeah. kind other of key ones can you think about and maybe not yeah. they're not so key ones as well yeah important. so
0: there's I think then the big next one was quitting teaching and I so I did the teach first scheme which is a two-year course and then I stayed on for a third year and during that third year I just suddenly I don't know I think because because I only had to be there two years, then the third year was a choice. And around that time, like, all oh, lots of my friends from university did graduate schemes. Everyone was kind of in training. And in that third year out of uni, people started getting quite cool jobs and like really going into this whole range of careers. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's a choice now that I'm here like I'm not in a scheme like this is I, I'm choosing to be a teacher and so that was one thought of like starting to see inspiration of what else I could be doing there was also like just the exhaustion and the absolute burnout that I was experiencing from from teaching I mean it was it's just an in such an intense job and I sadly i don't think it's got i've left 10 years ago now but i don't think it's got any easy i think it's probably a lot harder now so you know i have huge respect for everyone who is doing that work but i i just it was a fight every day it was a fight to go in it was i had some classes that i absolutely adored and the highs with those classes was just incredible but most of the time it was relentless and there were really you know challenges with parents with other staff with just like it was You know, at once an amazing community, like 100 teachers, most of them under 30, like an amazing kind of like almost like being at university again, (laughs) like a really amazing camaraderie and support. But it was just exhausting. And I suppose that the curious part of me was like, cool, what else do I want to put my energy into? And just knowing that this couldn't be like the most perfect job for me like there just couldn't there must have been something better for me because I knew that I had skills that I and parts of the job I enjoyed but yeah it was a really really tricky one and I found a notebook the other day that had like I'd drawn some sketches of like if I go if I stay <laughs> and if I go was like oh no if I stay with like the children and all the music I was doing with the children but if I go I just drawn a massive bed and <laughs> <I> was like <laughs> I get to sleep <laughs> I was like oh my god it would be amazing to sleep <laughs> and like honestly I still don't take for granted 10 years on that I can wake up in the morning and at any time I like like it is the biggest gift when you've had to do 6 a.m in the dark rushing exhausted i mean that that decision was was hard but also quite clear and also i was supported by so many people sadly you know quick well, there's quite a high turnover so although i you know although there was some real sadness i also just and it was a re- it was a hard decision like there's a lot of judgment when you leave teaching from the other teachers from the from the profession you know, there's a real sense of like, you you show up for those kids. And if you're leaving, it's selfish. But ultimately, Kate, like I was spending every day, like I taught languages. So I every day I would talk to the kids about like, why languages were amazing for your life and all of the things you could do with them and like all of the travels you could do. And then I was like, I want to do some more stuff. <laughs> like I don't, I was only 25. I was like, yeah. I'm not ready to like, be doing the giving back yet. And maybe that's really selfish. But I was like, I'm not ready. I haven't done my bit yet. I want to go and live my life. I want to, I want to go and have my adventures that I'm like telling these kids to have, like it was too early. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I don't regret it at all. And I have huge gratitude for those three years that I taught and all I learned and all of the people I met. And, you know, so again, it's that thing of like, it's not lost, but it's not easy. And, the real thing for me was just like this desire to find something that felt more, more like me, more kind of in flow. My happiest moments when I was teaching was like, was teaching the school musical. So I used to musically direct the school musical. And I remember once being in on a Saturday, quite hungover, just being like, this is my dream job. <laughs> and that was on a yeah. Saturday. So, you yeah, there were moments of it that were wonderful, but there were also moments where it's quite funny on the Facebook memories because, you know, like kind of 10 years ago when you would always write in the third person on Facebook. I don't know if you remember yes. that. It was just this... So I get these memories coming back, like, and it just says, like, Sarah is dying Sarah has 10 days to go to a half term nine days to go eight days to... <laughs> but I was honestly all I was doing was counting down and that's not a real that's not a life is it
2: it's not <laughs> and what's so wonderful is that you share the story about what your happiest moments and when you reflect on where you are now and what you've yeah. done I mean it's amazing yeah. isn't it to go actually yeah maybe it didn't work in that context but it's being able to work elsewhere and Absolutely. that's okay
0: since then, I think there's been a lot of things I've quit. So there was like my first startup, there was my second startup, there was, you know, there's been lots of things I've been involved in. And I suppose what what's interesting is that over time they've seen less, they've seemed less like me quitting, and more like, oh, that's just like come to a natural end, or like that's what that's all they've been put on the carousel. So I think over time, you know, when you do when you quit one thing, it feels massive. But when you've quit like 25 things it's just like okay well it it's just about starting new things and like creating and enjoying that creative process like it's not i don't know it just has a, it just doesn't feel as big anymore although it still feels hard it's it's just got a different framing
2: couple of times about frameworks and you mentioned the quitting quadrant and you've mentioned the carousel give us an overview of the framework of quitting quadrant to start with
0: so essentially the um the quitting quadrant is a a kind of a two by two axes Um, where you have interest on one hand and then discomfort on the other. And it's combinations of how high or low the interest is that you have in something and how high or low the discomfort is. Um, And so the idea of the quitting quadrant is that you have four healthy states and then four unhealthy states. And so the combinations of interest and discomfort create flow, growth, grit, grit, and restore. And then the negative expressions of those, or the unhealthy expressions, are plateau, flow becomes plateau, growth becomes burnout, which we probably know very well, Mm. uh, grit becomes resentment, and restore becomes apathy, and it's in those four unhealthy states that we're most likely to quit so the idea then with the quitting quadrant is it's really a self-awareness tool and it doesn't even have to be when you want to quit so originally i was like oh it's when you want to quit but actually i think day to day just it's just interesting to be like where am i with all of these things right now and the idea being that that well, a that that gives you permission to be there because often you're like God, I can't be resenting being at work. It's like, no, no, it is a state that people go through quite naturally because of certain conditions. It gives you permission. It also gives you like a visual to be like, well, where do I wanna be and how can I get there? And there's a few like kind of activities you can do with the quitting Quadrant to rebalance and see like, if, you know, for example, if you're in resentment, you probably need more flow or if you're in apathy, you need more growth. So all of those kind of things. So really, it's, yeah, it's a tool, a self in tool, temperature check. And it doesn't tell you whether to quit or not. <laughs> it just gives you information that might help you understand why you're feeling like you are. And it's from that place that you're able to make more informed decisions, because if over time you're constantly like everything I'm doing is in apathy right now ask information (laughs) like what are you gonna do about that and can you put it on anything i mean people typically do it with like projects or work things and and, you know you can do it kind of zooming in or out right so you could be like work could be one thing that you put on the quitting quadrant and see where is work for me right now like holistically or globally or you might be like, okay, here are all of the elements of my work, like the colleagues, the workplace, you know, the, the tasks I have to do, and then they all might be put on. So you can, and yeah, you, people put on like a family or, you know, moving house or relationships or, or, or sporting events they're doing. Uh, yeah, I really can see that you, you can um, apply it to anything that you're putting energy into really, that's taking your attention. So sometimes people think, I need to take stuff off when I'm in burnout. Sometimes you need to put stuff on, but it needs to balance. So people sometimes a classic thing, and I'm guilty of this as well. You clear the decks when you're overwhelmed rather than being like, and then you're just left with nothing. And then that's sad too, (laughs) rather than saying, okay, I'm really busy. What's going to bring me flow right now or restore? And how can I add that to balance rather than Mm. just taking everything off and doing like a massive life cull? and then you have nothing. (laughs) So it's this, I I think this is a really interesting, like sometimes you need to add something on to your your life, but that's something that's contrasting, that's gonna serve a different purpose. Quit. People often need to be in crisis to permit themselves to quit. Like they have to be in like extreme burnout or in a really difficult toxic relationship, or it has to be like at breaking point. And for a while, I was like, "That's such a shame, isn't it?" But then I, do you know what? I think that's when it's clear. I think sometimes people push themselves to the edges so that it's really clear, so yes. that you just there's there's no thinking because while you're still weighing something up, that takes energy. Sometimes you
2: actually need to push something to breaking point. And I know that's that's my own journey. You know, I was in a job which was so yeah. stressful that it it, it it I was at breaking point. I was literally at breaking point. But I knew there was something else I wanted to go into and it was waiting for me, but it was too daunting to do that. So I got myself to the edge and over before I took that decision going, "I I just need to get away from that to go to this. So in terms of, um, we, you, you talked about the Quitter Quadrant and the Framework, which I absolutely love, and we've also talked, and I don't want to go into too much time on the carousel, but I mm. do think it's important because there's a difference between putting something to the back of your awareness or giving it a bit of breathing space versus quitting it completely. Mm. And this is where the carousel comes in. So can you give us a bit of an yeah. overview of the carousel and how it works well, yeah, if you're aware of the relationship between the carousel
0: yeah. and quitting. Yeah, I mean, they, they've again, they all of these frameworks come to serve a purpose. So for for the quitting question, it was like, I want to decide whether to stay with this thing or not. And with carousel, it was this guilt I was feeling about stuff in my life that I worked on for a short amount of time, then left for years, then came back to. And I was like, oh, I'm just not committed. Why am I doing this? And then I, I think I've shared with you before that the image of this carousel, like a kind of yo sushi belt came to my mind where I was like, well, what if they just kind of, they keep coming round? Like, so the specific thing I was stressed about was DJing. I was like, I did this course five years ago and then I, you know, didn't do anything with it. And then I did a bit more and I'm like, why, why am I, why do I have these short bursts? And then I leave it. And it was like, well, maybe that's how I operate. Like maybe that, maybe I couldn't have sustained because in that short burst, I'm very focused and I give stuff my full attention. So unless I want to DJ all the time, I'm going to have to have breaks, (laughs) and I want to have breaks. I want to do other things. So this idea that, like, say, DJing's at the front of my carousel, but then it starts going off towards the back, and then something else comes into focus, and then that goes around, and then something else, and it's like the little plates going around the yo sushi conveyor belt, and. the idea with that is that you don't have to actually quit anything so when something's at the back of the carousel you're acknowledging this is part of my life I don't really need to make a decision I notice my tendency to want a decision to be made because it feels more relaxing and sometimes I can force something to be decided that prematurely so the thing with carousel as well is like just noticing hey that's not in focus right now and that's okay and at some point it might be in focus again, or maybe it never will be. So it's kind of a different message in a way from the quitting. It's, it's slightly, it's not necessarily contrasting, but it's slightly, it's just a different attitude. Whereas quitting is like giving yourself permission to leave something that's not serving you. The carousel is saying, hey, if it's not really bringing you down, and it's also not focused, like, don't worry about it. Just leave it for a bit. You don't, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong by not looking at it right now.
2: Yeah, and I think it's so good to have the permission to do either. It,
0: it, you know, There's obviously loads of different factors in all of this, but when you're working stuff on your own, you can definitely put stuff at the back of your carousel. And I think it gives things energy as well. So I've always found like, often when I thought, I'm just gonna park that, it's like it's then it's been given some freedom then to go off and explore. <laughs> like you're letting a child go off on a, yeah. a travelling trip and then it comes back, it's like, hey, I've discovered all these new cool things and you're like, oh yeah, all right, I'm ready to see you again. I think we need breaks from our projects the way we need breaks from people.
2: Oh, I totally agree.
1: Oh, I exactly when to fall, the
2: so I do have a um a question about when you have quit something yeah and it didn't go in the way that you wanted mm. it to and what you've learned from that
0: it, yeah interestingly it's hard to think of that which maybe means that there's been nothing too dramatic even if it has happened and and that's an interesting thing to observe that potentially people listening who know me will be like Sarah this thing <laughs> but I can't remember it now so it's obviously not been too dramatic
2: and also your relationship to quitting as well, you know, what you're learning from it too.
0: Yeah, I think probably what, there were definitely times where it was hard, hard to quit and okay, so probably the one that stands out is the the, the, the accelerator I used to run. I I designed it and I loved running it and I the, the two cohorts that I led, it was honestly dream work. I felt so in flow, I loved everyone I worked with. And then it kind of changed, and I, you know, I probably won't go into the details because it's not just about me. But things did change, and I no longer felt that it was the right fit for me. But the thing carried on, and that was really hard. That was really hard because I ultimately couldn't stay working with it just because it would carry on anyway. Because that's not the right reason. But it was really tricky to see, you know, still stuff on social media that it was still happening. That you know that a lot of the content I created was still being used but like I had to really let it go and you know it's only really recently that I felt okay about that and I had to alchemize it and the way I alchemized it was like I was I wouldn't have probably wanted to do too many more cohorts because I will always want to do something new and the bit that I love is the start and I love creating things from scratch so you know at the point that it was starting to get um, automated let's say or like kind of refined that's not where my that's not my um zone of genius so i have to trust that probably i would have done one more cohort and the same thing would have happened but i you know i think there's a feeling there's a sadness there because it yeah it was like it had a life without me that i had to let go and it's like yeah like ending a relationship i guess and ending Mm. a yeah It, it was hard it was and it was a really difficult decision but i was writing my TED talk about quitting when I was trying to decide whether to quit it and so I basically read my TED talk and then I was like okay well according to this TED talk I need to quit <laughs> which I, was actually, I think is quite good like checking for checking
2: for effectiveness yeah brilliant and so you've got interviews coming up as you said mm. and lots of people you're speaking to about quitting from the people that you've spoken to so far what can we expect coming up on the podcast and what have been some of the most cathartic quitting stories you've heard so far
0: yeah i i've loved these conversations and i suppose what's been really amazing is just there's been a lot of spirituality in it you know even from people i wouldn't expect like it's all it's been quite like philosophical the learnings that people have got from it so i think I think you'll expect some pretty raw stories, some pretty like honest accounts of why people wanted to quit. There's some, specifically there's the guy who set up Project Awesome running club, Danny Bent, who he ran this amazing running club three days a week at 6.30am in London for about two years before massively burning out and deciding to step down which was i was actually there the day he stepped down and it was a huge shock oh, wow. because this it was his this guy's life right but he shares about what was going on for him and the, the kind of pressure you feel as a founder of a community and there's a lot around like wait a minute is this even mine to decide to quit you know and where you can get really like the i think a theme i've seen a lot is um where do i stop and where does the business start and like where or, you know, that feeling of like this symbiotic, but maybe slightly codependent sometimes relationship between um, the founder and the business. So there's a few stories like that. And then I've got people also that I brought in who are, are more coming at quitting from a, like a, 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 I suppose, a lens of quitting. So I've got someone that talks about intuition, someone that talks about cycles and like the purpose of quitting as like part of the seasonality of life and then also someone that's talking about quitting ideas and kind of from an entrepreneur he like works with a lot of entrepreneurs so it was like what has he learned from kind of 20 years of working with entrepreneurs about like when you should quit an idea and so there's like do you know what i mean there's some interesting kind of this thematic stuff around quitting but also some like really deep personal stories too
2: oh sounds so good so good i hope so <laughs> How yep. exciting. Well, thank you for bringing this into the world, Sarah. I think oh, it's so needed. Welcome. such a refreshing way of looking at something, which is such an intrinsic part of our life, you know. Yeah. The, the the ending of cycles and the beginnings of new ones. And the beginnings of new ones can't start without something quitting in the first place. So yeah. amazing. So what's the best piece of advice you can give to people about quitting?
0: Mm. So... The thing that has been most transformational for me is the question, do I need to decide today? Because often things can change and not to belittle what you're experiencing, but I know that some days I feel like everything needs to change and then I have a good meal and a good night's sleep and my life is different. And, but it can feel in that moment so real that like, you just need to escape something. So, I would say if there's anything that you give yourself in a moment of, of should I quit, is the time to allow things to unfold. And I once saw an amazing talk where this girl said she ran around the UK. And she said every day she started to have a bad day and wanted to quit, she counted from day one. And if she got up to 14 days, she was allowed to quit. But if anything good happened that changed her mind, she had to start recounting. And she got around the whole of the UK. And I really loved that as like, you, do, you you acknowledge that it's hard and you say, hey, I'm listening. Desire to quit, I am listening, <laughs> but I'm also giving myself space to see what else this might be about. So give yourself a time frame that you will then come back to. So it might be like, I come back to this in a week, or I come back to this in an hour, whatever you need, but don't make a decision in that moment because there's always more information and you might be surprised actually when you allow that space what shifts anyway what shifts naturally
2: I love that that's so good so good <laughs> so we have a decision to make right now Sarah yes can we end this podcast or is there anything else that we can give space for around quitting that you would like to bring into this well space? I
0: I'd love to hear your reflections after this conversation. Like what's kind of stayed with you from this? What feels like
2: something you might take into your life? Do you know what? For me, it's the ultimate permission that, well, one, I reflect on how many things I stay in for a lot longer than I probably need to or needed to because of this fear of what's going to be on the other side but also from listening to your conversations around it and listening to the people that you're speaking to and some of the stories you shared, it just feels like a big breath of relief, actually. Mm. That is, we don't have to put so much attachment to the weight of what quitting, you know, what this is a personal reflection, but the weight mm. to the idea of quitting that actually it is something that is just a, taking a different look at things in a different way and it's all a learning experience and therefore you can take the pressure off you know and if it's not quitting then it's at the back of the carousel and if it's not at the back of the carousel and you don't even want it to be on the carousel then you have full permission for it to be let go of and that's okay because it makes space for something else
0: part of being a good quitter like if we see that quitting is a skill we need to get better at in 21st century life part of being a good quitter is what you're saying yes to originally (laughs) and it's actually like making sure the stuff in your life is stuff you want to do because part of why quitting so hard is when you're like filling your life up with things you don't really want to do that aren't resonating and that you're booking stuff in like weeks in advance that you know probably near at the time you don't want to do yeah like if we can get better as well of like in the decision to choose something in the first place being like yes then it's going to be much, we're going to quit less things anyway. We're going to need to quit less things. So it's also about creating the conditions for like, just what kind of life we want anyway.
2: Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about, and it was one question I was going to ask you, which I'll come back to, but I think what's really interesting about this point in time is that some of the things that I had had planned and did before COVID hit, they're not going to work in the world in which we live mm. in now, but it's still there, like a decision hasn't been made. And it's mm. one, have I changed? Has the world changed? Actually, does this idea fit anymore? Sometimes you can see that's that's easy and it's clear enough, but sometimes it's not that clear. And so therefore being able to look at it through the lens of the quitting quadrant is going to be super helpful. No. The other question yeah, that's to ask yeah. you. Sorry, carry on.
0: No, I was just going to reflect on that and say that I think that's such a good point about stuff that over this transition, over the pandemic, like may have changed, like our relationship to the things have changed and asking like, is that because it's not relevant or is it because actually... don't it's not who i am anymore and i think that's such a good i just think it's such a good inquiry around everything and we should be it's a really good opportunity to restart and go what do i want to bring with me into this new normal what do i want to actually what what stays what stays in this like it's like you're getting off a plane being like what am i unpacking here
1: and
2: so the final question why now why, why talk about quitting right now in the world that we're living in? Yeah, and it, this is
1: this is
0: also interesting because when th- things have changed so quickly. So, 2017 was when I put out the bid for my TEDx on quitting. I put a thing on Facebook asking people to share their quitting stories, and at that time, I remember people like, "Whoa, that is a brave topic," or like, "Oh, you sure you want to talk about that?" Or like, "Wow, I don't know." It was really quite provocative or like not maybe it's the word but like yeah it was pro- yeah it provoked people and it was a bit like oh we're not sure and since then i feel like it is everywhere now i feel you know there's there's like i say there's been like guardian double sp- page spreads in the guardian stylist magazine's done a big feature on it um you know it's it's a topic on so many podcasts and things but interestingly in march 2020 i was i pitched so like it was two days after lockdown started i pitched to do to, to make my book into a to make this concept into a book and their feedback was we can't do a book about quitting it's too negative and they couldn't get past that and i was like yeah but it's a positive message and they're like, could you change the name i was like no we need to talk about it and basically I, they were like well we can't do it and maybe that was you know, actually, no, that was their decision. To whatever my my reoffer would have been, but it was really interesting that they were like, "No, this isn't." And I wonder what they would think now because it feels like a year on, year and a half on. It is like a pretty ubiquitous term that people are happy talking about. I don't know. It just it's so so. Why now? I suppose originally it was because I felt like it was a topic we weren't talking about, <laughs> and now I guess it's like very timely to be talking about it. I think people, like we were just saying, at like post-pandemic are reevaluating their lives. But ultimately, I think pandemic or not, I wanted to give space for people to share these stories because they are beautiful stories and and cathartic stories. And I think a lot of people, I just I just don't think we're sharing these. I mean, the closest thing probably is like how to fail, where people are sharing their failures. But even then, I think quitting within failure you know it's it's just quite a specific thing to be sharing so the, I would have made this whether this was a timeless topic or not whether this was a timely topic or not because it is important to me but it's it's good that it's <laughs> that it's you know it's catching a wave of interest anyway.
2: Is at the right time isn't it and, and allowing like you say just the space for these stories to be heard mm. and to be shared is something that is really healthy it's really wonderful and and it also allows people the opportunity to think about and have a relationship with quitting which is in a different way to what they probably would have had before so yeah good time
0: Mm. all right well thank you so much kate for for this wonderful interview i really appreciate your questions and yeah just holding space for for this exploration because i think it's you know I was interviewing all of these people and thinking actually you know whereas I, I would also like to share some of the things that I've had to to navigate to and the learnings I've got from it so yeah I really appreciate that.
2: Oh my goodness you are so welcome and thank you for inviting me on. All
0: right cheers so much Kate.
1: Letting go letting go is know exactly when to exactly when